Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right, how's everyone doing? We made it to the end of another week. Here we are. It's Friday, TGIF. Oh, I just came back from uh, seeing Barbie. Yes, I gave in and I saw Barbie, okay? It was really amazing, and I'll get to my review at the end of the show, as I always do on Fridays. Um, but what's really amazing about this uh, Barbenheimer thing is that people are going to the theaters again. I mean, we had it with, I guess it started with the uh, Top Gun, right? Maverick. And then you got your Mission Impossible. And then you have this one-two punch of, of Oppenheimer and Barbie, or I guess Barbenheimer, as they're calling it. And people are going back in. I mean, the lines of the theater were tremendous the lines for the concessions were like 30 40 people long i haven't seen it like that ever really um and certainly not since covid so um yeah it's it's uh people are going back now people are going back to the movies which is a good thing now of course the movie industry is screwing themselves with this writer's strike because they might ruin <laughs> all this progress they've made over the last six months to a year or so, I guess, going back to last summer, was getting people back to the movies. And now, with the writer's strike, there could very well be a gap at some point, depending on how long it goes, right? There'll be a gap when it comes to television and movies, and uh, there'll be nothing to release. So they're going to have to get it settled, I'd say, sooner rather than later. Or they're just, like I said, going to screw themselves because they were really making progress. Uh, with getting people back to the movies and i don't want to see any regression in that so it'd be nice if they can get their shit together so they can keep this momentum going i know there are still a lot of people who prefer to stream at home and especially over the last three or four years have gotten very lazy with not going to the movies anymore and people have gotten lazy but now people are at least starting to go back again okay and so get that right. Come on, Hollywood, get that writer's strike, get it fit, get it fixed, get it fixed. Pay these people what they're worth. Don't hoard all the money because you're only going to screw yourself after people like, you know, uh, Tom Cruise and uh, Christopher Nolan have, uh, you know, helped you get people back into the theaters again. Don't screw yourself. All right. And of course, Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman has really helped people get back to theaters. Because if you go to AMC theaters, like I do all the time, you know that they have a Nicole, Nicole Kidman spot that runs right before the movie starts, where she's dressed beautifully and she's walking into this really nice AMC theater, which I'm not sure actually exists. And she tells everyone to go back to the movies, that that's the place you have to see a movie. That's a place where magical things happen. It's become a really popular little trailer before the movie starts. People actually applaud when Nicole makes her entrance. What I would do, I would actually find a movie theater, maybe do this randomly. And when that spot comes on of Nicole Kidman, have the actual Nicole Kidman walk into the movie. Wouldn't that just fucking freak everybody's out? Everybody, everybody, if Nicole actually walked in during her promo spot, think about that. Maybe someone can get to Nicole, see if she'll do it. You know, maybe, we, you know, do the theater in New York, a theater in California, maybe do it middle America in Chicago, do it time, you know, every once in a while, she just happens to pop up into the theater as her spot comes on and everyone freaks out. Anyway, it's just an idea I got. It's an idea I got. 
I have ideas. I'm an idea man. I'm an idea man. All right. So I will do the Barbie review at the end of the show. She'll have the, you'll actually have to listen to the entire show or you'll have to listen to the replay and go to the end of the show to, to listen to the uh, Barbie review. Um, what is there to talk about? You know, we can talk about Trump and we will, as always, we can talk about DeSantis and we will. And wait a minute. So I wake up today. This is so exciting. I wake up today to a text from the DeSantis campaign, and it's a promo of DeSantis versus Newsom coming in November to the Sean Hannity show. So this is from the DeSantis campaign. This is the official DeSantis campaign text. So I think this is going to happen. It looks like it's going to happen sometime in November on Hannity. DeSantis versus Newsom. That's going to be fantastic. That Don John can't be happy about that. He can't be happy with his little buddy, Hannity, letting <laughs> Newsom and DeSantis uh, debate. It kind of takes Don John out of the picture. Maybe, maybe Hannity, even though he's a Trump ass kisser. Um, and we know had late night phone calls with Donald when he was president. Maybe he realizes that there's no way Trump can win the White House. And if Trump's the nominee, they're screwed. Maybe he understands that. You know what I'm saying? Little by little, maybe he's getting it. Maybe he even knows something I don't know, that Don will be out of it by November, which is very possible. But to put, you know, DeSantis up against Newsom, it almost makes it look like Trump doesn't exist, right? And there's no way DeSantis isn't going to look great, right? There's no way. There's no way. So it's kind of a slam dunk for, for Ron DeSantis. And it kind of makes Donald Trump looks like a, a little uh, little loser. So we'll see how that goes. But that's going to be pretty interesting. Um, you know, Trump put out a, uh, a tweet earlier. And the tweet was on, on Truth Social. And it was in all, all caps, by the way, all capital letters. If you go after me, I'm coming after you with an exclamation point. What do you think that means? If you go after me, I'm coming after you. Is that a threat to the judges? Is that a threat to the DAs? Is it a threat to Mr. Smith? What is it? Is it saying that I'm going to do to you when I'm president again, which of course is never going to be what you're doing to me now? I thought the Trump cabal, the cult, wanted to de-weaponize the Department of Justice. Isn't that what they scream all the time? That the Biden Department of Justice is too weaponized and they have to de-weaponize it? Hasn't, I know DeSantis has been taught. Isn't that Vivek Ramaswamy, the used car salesman who wants Trump's sloppy seconds? Hasn't he been that he will de-weaponize the Department of Justice? So if Trump is saying, if you go after me, I'm coming after you, I'm guessing what he means is, although that can be taken as a, as a very, um, I guess what you could say, uh, threat, a general threat against anyone who does anything that he doesn't like, right? So that could actually be taken as a threat to the DAs taking, you know, the, filing these charges, these, these uh, um, judges that will take these cases. Um, you know, this is kind of grounds for remanding someone in custody. I mean, you could say this is intimidating the court. Also, wait a minute, this could be intimidating witnesses. 
What if you're one of the many, many witnesses who are going to testify or turn on Trump and you open your computer and you see him saying, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. To me, that's a pretty, could be seen as a pretty direct threat to anyone involved in any of the cases against Donald Trump. Uh, if I were a judge, I could use this to throw this guy in jail, remand him in custody. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if a judge does. So, or it could also mean, on top of everything else, what I've been saying, which is that I'm going to now go after my political enemies when I have the power and I'm president again. Once again, flying in the face of everything he has been saying and his cult has been saying that they want to decriminalize the Department of Justice. So how do you de de-weaponize? How do you de-weaponize the Department of Justice if you intend on further weaponizing the Department of Justice when you're president? Never, anyway. Um, and on top of that, you know, you have to wonder, when someone tweets something like that in all capital letters, right, with an exclamation point, you have to, you really have to start to talk about the sanity of a person who does that. The sanity of a person who does that when he has 78, there are 78 charges filed against him now. Okay. What is the sanity of a person? Wouldn't you tell, if you're a lawyer, don't you tell your client at a time like this, look, just don't let me do the talking. Don't lawyers say that all the time to clients. Let me do the talk. I see it in movies all the time, right? Let me do the talking. Let me do the talking. And this is not exactly letting his lawyers do the talking for him. If you go after me, I'm coming after you. And so that is the nutty guy who's running for president. That's the nut job who was already president. Um, and also, another thing this proves, the simple, the simple tweet, the simple tweet proves is that it's all about him. That's what I've been saying. Is that what... Does the Trump cult truly believe that the rest of the nation wants this for four more years? Forget about their issues that they care about, that their worries, that their troubles being taken care of, being addressed. All about Donald Trump's revenge. Is that what they want? Now, I know his cult. That's exactly the reason why his cult, the top reason why the, his cult wants him president again. Revenge. Exactly what he just said. If you go after me, I'm coming after you. His cult, they get wet from that. Male and female. Men can get wet too, right? Is that true? Can men get wet? I think so. Um, so we'll talk more about Barbie later. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so it, it, this is exactly what I talk about when I talk about Donald Trump. Exactly what I talk about. It's all about him and four more years – and in office will be all about him and his revenge his his own sick twisted personal revenge forget the fucking problems the many the millions of problems that the average person in this country faces he doesn't care about that this tweet proves this he only cares about himself contrast that with a clip tonight, I want to play. This is a very, this is going viral. Um, someone in New Hampshire, I believe, I can't keep track. They go 
so quickly between Iowa and New Hampshire. Um, hey, you would think there were only two states in this fucking country. Two fucking states. Anyway, he was in New Hampshire and he was talking to a crowd. By the way, he was, uh, DeSantis was also serving ice cream today. Could you imagine if he was serving ice cream and Biden came in? Because we know he loves his ice cream. What does he love? Chocolate? Imagine if Biden came in and he had to serve a ice cream cone to Biden. That would have been pretty funny. Anyway, uh, so he was talking to a crowd. The things you have to do when you're running for president, you got to serve ice cream. Is there any of the country where the person running for the leader of the country has to fucking serve ice cream, has to serve pistachio ice cream to people? What a wacky country we live in. I mean, let me get to this clip. Um, this is DeSantis in New Hampshire talking about Don John's insults. And what do you do about it? What are you, what are you gonna, hey, what are you going to do about all of his insults? You going to do something about that? Here's his answer. I'm done. Follow up for you, Governor. You get on that debate stage with Donald Trump and he starts to belittle you. How are you going to respond? So here's the thing. These insults are so phony. These insults are juvenile. That is not the way a great nation should be conducting itself. That is not the way the president of the United States should be conducting himself. So I enjoy the debate. You know, people in New Hampshire have been great. They're opinionated. Let's have those debates about the issues. I'm not going to insult somebody, somebody's looks or somebody's dress or something like that. Uh, I wouldn't teach my kids to treat people like that. We have a six, five and a three year old. We teach our kids to treat people the way you would want to be treated uh, yourself. So we will have differences uh, on issues. And, you know, one of the things I think about the former president, and I appreciate he did do a lot of great things and I was a big supporter but he's running in 2024 on the things that he promised to do in 2016 and didn't do. He said he was going to drain the swamp. He did not drain the swamp, not even close. We ended his presidency with Anthony Fauci running the country. You couldn't even fire Fauci. And so now you're going to go drain the swamp. Give me a break. He said Mexico was going to pay for the border wall. Do you see the border secured? I see people coming in uh, infinitum. He said that he was going to lock Hillary up just like he's now saying he's going to do a special counsel for Biden two weeks after the election in 20. Ah, forget about it. Don't worry about it. And then he actually said he was going to eliminate the national debt. He added $8 trillion to the debt. We've paid down our debt in Florida. He did more in four years than any president has ever done to expand it. That's the record we should talk about. Uh, don't worry about, you know, how he does his hair, how this, all that. we got to stop with that. And here's the thing as Republicans, that will cause us to lose if we behave that way. There are millions of voters out there who do not like what Biden is doing to this country. They do not like the direction the country's going in, but they aren't going to sign up for a candidate who is behaving like that. So let's be better. Let's look higher and let's set a good standard for our children to follow. Um, oh, what a perfect answer. Was that not like the most perfect answer you could have for that? I mean, that is just two minutes of absolute razor sharp perfection, razor fucking sharp perfection. Exactly. He finally says exactly what I've been telling him to say. <clears throat> exactly. Which is, look, Trump has never followed up on anything he has said. He has said he's going to do all these things, right? And he does nothing. So even that comment where he says, if you come after me, I'm coming after you. Like like DeSantis talked about Biden. He's not going to do anything. He promises he'll do something. Look, if there's something to really go after, like Joe Biden's criminality, he's still not going to do it. 
right? Because he because he lied about Hillary, and we know she's a crook, also. So it's total nonsense to believe one thing that comes out of the mouth of Donald John Trump. He's a liar. Everything is about himself, his own ego, his own satisfaction, right? His own emotional, his own psychological satisfaction that he might get from being president again. That's what he's thinking. Believe me, he's thinking about getting revenge. That's why he wants to be president, right? Getting revenge for everything they're trying to do to him now. How does that help the average person? How does that help Joe Blow? How does that help Mary Smith? How? It doesn't at all. But it helps Donald Trump. It helps Donald Trump, Donald Trump's um, ego, his out of control ego. Now, there are some people who, you know, uh, think that Donald Trump is being unfairly treated, right? And we've talked about that on this show many times. You know, this um, thing about a pile on, where it's like, we're just going to keep piling on, basically, right? We're going to keep piling on. And sometimes people fight back against that, right? Like there's there are instances where people actually think someone may have done wrong things, but then the other side goes too far, right? And they keep going and they keep going and they keep going. And people say, well, I don't know. The, the pile-on part is, is too much. It's too much. So some people would say, well, if they brought 40 charges – against Donald Trump. Wouldn't that be enough to just concentrate on 40 charges? Why has it got to be 80 charges? Why has it got to be 100 charges? Why does it have to be six indictments? Why aren't two indictments enough or one indictment enough? And and I've addressed that. I think people have a point when they talk about that. They do. People have a point. And yes, there are certain charges, things. It could be parts of the January 6th thing. It could be the Mar-a-Lago documents thing where you, where you might say these people wouldn't bring these charges if it wasn't someone else or if there wasn't this momentum to bring all these charges, right? It kind of like it spreads. We talk about that in sports, like when a team is hitting, they call it contagious, right? Hitting is contagious. Not hitting is contagious. That's what we talk about in baseball. So is this a contagion now? where there's a ball rolling, where everyone is going after Trump, so everyone's going to continue to go after Trump, right? Um, it, uh, I could maybe even compare it to a someone who's committed like uh, sexual indiscretions, right? And no one comes out and talks about it. And then one woman comes out, right? And then another woman comes out. And then another woman comes out. And it goes from no women to 50 women in about a day and a half. And people say, wait a minute now, wait a minute. Where were all those women before? Well, one encouraged the other, encouraged the other, encouraged the other, encouraged the other. Now, those women may all have real grievances, right? But once you get the ball rolling, you get that going, right? And this is the same thing with these charges against Trump, right? They, many of them can be real stuff. A lot of it can be real. Um, and but, but you get to the point where you start to think, OK, okay it's, we're at 78 charges now. Um, if you're really confident that most of this stuff will get convictions, I mean, that adds up to like 500 years in jail. The guy's 80 years old. OK, so let's stop now. Stop with the indictments. 
Because once you keep doing indictments, people start to think it's all bullshit and they pile on. Instead of just concentrating on the charges that are there. Get them on those charges. That's it. Go. Let's get let's get the court here. Let's get the trial dates going. Let's stop now. Get the trial dates going. Just concentrate on the charges you got, which are plenty, and stop. With the indictments, stop with the mug shots, stop with the perp walks, stop with the fingerprinting. Just because that when you start doing those things too much, people then start to believe it's all bullshit. And it's just a political hit job and you want to embarrass somebody. So I understand that side. I absolutely get it. I do. Um, and there's a fine line to walk here. Right. Because I understand it. There'll be a D.A. in one state that says, but my my charges matter. Why should I not bring them just because someone else brought them? Just like that woman who might have been sexually assaulted. Okay, well, I'm going to bring I'm not going to not say anything just because these other women are on the case. I want to make sure my case is, is known and adjudicated. So I get, there are there are so many different elements to this. Like I said, the truth is usually always in the middle somewhere. And I think Donald Trump wouldn't be convicted on every one of these charges. I'm sure he'll get off on several of them. I don't know how many. I don't know what the number is going to be. Um, but I think we need to get to a point where people ju- where they just start to say, okay, let, let's concentrate on the cases we have here. In other words, <laughs> when you keep bringing the indictments and charges, people then begin to say, wait a minute, are you just going to bring charges and indictments? Are you, are you actually going to have any court cases? Are you going to have juries? Are you going to try these cases? Or are you just doing all of this stuff just because you can? You know, and then when the Democrats or I can't say Democrats, but the people in charge of these charges like Jack Smith and the, the DAs who bring them in the courts, when they set the trial dates, like, you know, <laughs> two months after the primaries start, two months, two or three months after the primary voting starts, that makes people suspicious. Why Why wait so long? Why wait until the primary is over? It's almost as though, and I've said this a million times, they want Trump to win the primary. So the Republicans are fucked because then he's mired in these court cases and convictions during the general election period. Well, a way around that would simply be for them to hurry this thing up, right? To get these cases adjudicated before the primary start, before the voting. Now, I think that makes sense because one could consider it election interference to have these cases going in the middle of the voting, in the middle of 2020-24. If you wanted to make to look less like election interference, like you're trying to put your finger on the on the you know on the scales, um, why not adjudicate this stuff this year? Before the end of this year. I don't know if anyone has asked those questions. But I would certainly do that if I were them. I say, let's get this thing going now. The charges are there. He's been arraigned. Why do we have to wait seven, eight months before we start this procedure of trying these cases? Let's go now. Now. Once again, Trump himself, I don't know how these dates are decided. I know usually, you know, they're worked out with the courts and such, but uh, and, and, and the defense. So 
I'm feeling because they've agreed to May and June that Trump wants to wait. Now, the Democrats are smart. They understand that's the best for them. But Trump wants to wait because he wants to win the primary, right? So Trump will feel then on his side that if they adjudicate this stuff before the primaries and he loses, he can't win the primary, right? He wants to win the primary. In other words, during the primary process, it's still just charges. That's it. It's still just indictments and his people will vote for him because nothing has been adjudicated. There have been no convictions, right? And so he'll win the primary. And then all this stuff will 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 come down, but he'll be the nominee. And that's what he wants, right? So both sides, in a way, want the same thing. Trump wants to do it after because he wants to be the nominee. And they want to do it after because they want him <laughs> to be the nominee, you know. Now, smart voters, which the Trump clan is not, would um, understand that, would see that. It's plain and simple that Democrats want to wait because they want him to be the nominee. And yet they're going to give them exactly these voters. I'm not saying Trump's going to win. Day by day, I'm much, much more confident and sure that DeSantis is going to win. And he's sure he's going to win, which is probably more important. But there are still plenty of Trump voters who will vote for him, right? Uh, thinking, not understanding that the Democrats, that they're playing right into the Democrats' hands, that they're playing right into the hands of the people who are prosecuting the guy they say should not be prosecuted. Um, and they're being laughed at behind the scenes because these people know they're playing the Trump cult like a piano. They know it. Um I won't call, I've called them dumb, and I do think they're dumb. I think dumb people could see the truth here and see what's happening. In other words, uh, I think smart people can see the blueprint, can see the plan, can see the nefarious plan of the Democrats. And these people aren't smart enough to see that, but they're also in a cult, so that blinds them to this as well, right? Um, I know people who are very smart, who truly believe that Trump will win the election become president again because they believe they truly believe in their minds that people hate what is happening to him and will vote for him because of what's happening to him is not fair that's a very myopic view the cult can't seem to get out of that view that they think everyone else has that they have that they think everyone else has which is not the truth at all as DeSantis said, people don't want this kind of juvenile infighting and insults. And But the Trump clan thinks people do. You see, the Trump clan thinks, everyone thinks like them, that they enjoy insult. They enjoy these insults. And most people in this country like and get off on his insults the way they do. And that's not true. This was proven in 2020. It's been proven in 2018, 2020, and 2022, where people vote against, they even vote against his candidates, right? Simply because he endorsed them. Most of these people are not like him. If you watch them campaign, they don't do what he does, most of them. Yet people still vote against them just because he endorsed them. This is how much people hate. Donald Trump in this country, how the majority of this, the majority of people in this country do not like Donald Trump. 
The majority of people in this country do not like the way Joe Biden is governing. The majority of people in this country think Joe Biden is too old to be president again. They don't hate Joe Biden the way they hate Donald Trump. And of course, he brings a lot of that on himself. But the majority of the people in this country do not like Trump, do not like Biden, and don't want them either to be president again. That's the truth, period. And the Trump clan, the cult, whatever you want to call them, can't see that. The same with the Biden people. They can't see that. But it's the absolute truth. And I think DeSantis is playing this the perfect way, isn't it? He really is. You know, it's like we need to start talking about issues. We need to start talking about people care about issues. People in this country are hurting. They don't want to hear about elections. Any Look, Trump is such an idiot that, and this isn't brought up very often, but he signed the bill when he was president that allowed early voting. He signed the bill that allowed early voting. And then he tells Republican voters not to vote by mail. <laughs> so you sign a bill which allows the voting by mail, right? And then you tell people, don't vote, the people who are going to vote for you not to vote by mail. And all the Democrats vote by mail. And then they wonder, oh, how, did you get, how did Biden get 81 million votes? Because they voted by mail and Republicans didn't. Because they came out to vote against Donald Trump by mail. The guy who voted, who signed the bill to allow early voting. What a genius he is, huh? What a genius. Yet his cult, his clan, won't consider for one second. That's why Biden got 81 million votes. Because we hadn't had vote by mail. We hadn't had, you couldn't vote from your fucking bed before. We didn't have that law before Donald Trump was president. We didn't have that law before 2020. That's why you might see this more often now. I, you know what? I'll make a prediction. You know, that Joe Biden got the most votes ever for president. You'll probably see that record broken because of the vote by mail. Duh. Sometimes one and one just equals two. But how do you sign a bill allowing early voting and then tell your people who are going to vote for you, don't take advantage of early voting? Then the other side does and you lose by seven million votes. And then you claim, uh, you know, it was rigged. You fucking moron. Once again, he brings this shit on himself. Trump got, Biden got 80 million votes, 80, 81 million votes. This is from a tweet, by the way, on Twitter. Because Mr. Trump chose to sign the CARES Act, which instituted universal early and mail voting and then told people not to vote early and by mail. So stop using the term election denier and start using the term CARES Act denier. And that's exactly what happened. People voted by mail on the Democrat side, and they voted against the horrible Donald Trump, who they hate. 
Did you see what happened in uh, New York City today? I don't have the... <laughs> I'll, I'll look up the story. When I first saw a riot riot in, in New York City, I said it had to be something race-motivated, right? It had to be something that was racial. Something happened. The cop did something that people didn't like. Some, did a cop shoot somebody? Did a cop kill somebody? Well, that wasn't the case at all. It was about a PlayStation giveaway. A PlayStation giveaway. Uh, a social media... Inf this is a new thing all of a sudden. A social media influencer. Another fake job. Influencer and, and stretch streamer Kai Sanat. Did I say the name? Kai Sanat? He's going to be charged with at least two counts of inciting a riot, an unlawful assembly, after thousands of people descended on Union Square in New York City Friday afternoon, police said. The crowd was apparently responding to Sanat's promise of free PlayStations, sparking a chaotic scene and a massive police response. The NYPD made 65 arrests, and those of us arrested were juveniles. The event was unpermitted and not sanctioned and grew rapidly to thousands of young people who Madre said attacked officers instead of complying with orders to leave. The chief imported parents, implored parents to step in. I had thousands of kids out there. I needed thousands of parents. When it gets to the point where it's disorderly, we want the parents to come and take control. Madri said a 17-year-old was hospitalized from what was initially believed to be a gunshot wound, but ended up being fireworks. The NYPD officers arrived in droves to quell the mayhem, which erupted after a post by Senat went viral around 3 p.m., and the officers soon found themselves under attack, according to Madri. We were crushed. We were pushed, Madri said. The massive crowd caused the park and surrounding streets to become overcrowded. People ran through the streets, and some were seen jumping on cars and on a city bus. Some people took objects from a construction site in Union Square, including plywood, shovels, and axes, According to Madri, police showed up in riot gear to disperse the crowd. A bus that was holding people in custody was attacked by others trying to pull individuals off the bus, according to Madri. Fireworks set off in the crowd resulted in smoke and noise, but police said they didn't use any flashbang devices and no shots were fired. Madri called the gathering an unlawful assembly and uncontrolled. We're not against young people having a good time. We're not against young people gathering, but it can't be to this level where it's dangerous. A lot of people got hurt today. Some officers uh, sustained injuries in the incident, Madri said, adding that the personality, he was personally hit with multiple objects. Dozens of people are now in custody and charged depending against some of them. NYPD has recovered evidence from social media that Senat was out of his vehicle interacting with a large crowd before he left Union Square. I love you guys to the fullest. You guys are amazing, he said. Please be safe. Sounds like Trump. A woman shopping, this, this is not Trump, though. This is a black guy. Um, a woman shopping in the area with her baby took shelter in the ATM lobby during the mayhem. Everybody was just bombarded with people, she said. It was hectic. The only thing I think about was to keep my daughter safe. Eric Adams thanked the police. I want our streets to be alive and full of joy, but they must be safe. That's the most important thing. Yeah, alive and full of joy and a full of looting and robbing and rioting. So... You know, this is actually directions between this and January 6th in a way, right? Because you have a guy saying, as, as, as people are not being peaceful, 
as they're being violent, saying, I mean, his 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 tweet is almost the exact same tweet Trump put out. Be safe. And I love you guys. You're amazing. Isn't that what Trump said to the crowd? Be safe. I love you. You're all greatest people in the world. He said the exact same thing that Trump said. After doing something that caused this to happen, right? After doing something that caused this to happen. You know, I'm a total proponent of uh, the First Amendment and freedom of speech. But we're getting to the point now where people open their mouths, not realizing what could happen, especially when you have influence, right? Republican has a lot. Republican. Trump, the Republican, has a lot of influence over people as president of the United States, as Joe Biden does, right? Um, as any president does, any leader does. And this guy is some kind of social media influencer. Remember, when someone says they're a social media influencer, it means before all the social media stuff, they they, they couldn't get a job and they still can't get one. Um, and this is on you know, all sides of the political spectrum and even non-political stuff like this. Um, but... It, it's really to the point now where I, I think that you can look at incidents like this in January 6th and look at crowds that act out, that get violent. And often, often, you can't really put your finger totally on why, right? So this is some kind of a giveaway, a PlayStation giveaway. But all of a sudden, people start getting violent and rioting and throwing things and throwing fireworks at people. So but what does that have to do with the PlayStation giveaway? People use any kind of incident, any kind of reason to act out, right? And it could be many reasons. They could be miserable people. They can have empty lives. Uh, they can have grievances, a lot of chips on their shoulder about a lot of different things. And then these things happen. Right. And it's just a just like it ignites. It ignites something ignites this. You get a bunch of people together so you can forget about the reason you can forget about the PlayStation giveaway. You get you get thousands of people in one area and all of a sudden. They turn to violence because they have such grievances, they have such anger in them. So it's no shock that this kind of thing would happen. Right. And. When you look at cities like New York and Portland and San Francisco, you're talking about lawlessness, right? Absolute lawlessness. There is no – this is not a time to say we want children, kids to have fun in the streets. Kids uh, kids having fun in the streets is like you open the, – the, the, the fire department comes and they open the fire hydrant for them. They open the fire hydrant for them and they run in and out of the fire hydrant. Remember that? Having fun in the streets is playing stickball in the streets with your friends. Playing stickball in the streets with your friends. Watch out for the cars. That's having fun in the streets. This is not having fun in the streets. This is having no control over the criminal element in your city. This is not having control over the savage element in your city. That's what this is. And it takes a stern hand to gain control. Not someone saying, oh, please stop. We want you kids to have fun, but this is going a little overboard. Well, 
I think Tammy Laren, uh, Tommy Laren, Tommy Laren tweeted today. Um, this wouldn't happen in a small town from that. So the all Dean song that they want, they want canceled. Well, she's right. She has a point. Try that in a small town. It wouldn't happen in a small town because they have law and order in small towns. In small towns, they don't tell, they don't say things like, oh, please, children, be nice in the streets. Please, children, don't loot and rob and be violent and throw things at police. You look at the overhead shot of this, of these people riding in, 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 this, in the city, and it, 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 it looks like, they look like a bunch of wild ants going crazy, just finding any reason they can to do something violent. And it wouldn't happen in a small town. There's another reason why it wouldn't happen in a small town. We've talked about this before. Because the criminal element would assume in a small town that people have guns on them to protect themselves. People have weapons on them that they can protect themselves against violence, against the criminal element. Gives the criminal element... Pause. Well, we might, maybe we shouldn't fuck with this person because it's a better than 50 50 shot. They have, a, they have a weapon on them and they can defend themselves. Where in a city like New York or San Francisco, <laughs> nowhere near 50 50. Nowhere near 50 50. Unless they're, it probably, unless they're in law enforcement and off duty in plain clothes, they can get a gun on them. You know that. They don't have a weapon on them. They can't defend themselves. So they know that. Hell, the old lady in the small town could have a little pistola in her pocketbook. Not in New York. I wish they did. Not in San Francisco. I wish they did. So, yeah, when Aldine says, try that in a small town, this is the kind of thing he's talking about. This is the kind of thing they wanted to silence him about because he was making too much sense because he was talking too much truth. But you're not going to get law and order by begging for it. That's not the way it works. Once again, I've said this before. You can, there are certain groups you cannot talk to anymore. They've been talked to enough. When I talk about Trump and the cult, I've reasoned with them enough. That's it. I mean, what am I, an asshole? I'm beating my head against the wall. I'm a fucking mook. I'm a loser. I'm going to continue trying to get through to people who don't want to get through to it's a waste of time and same thing with the criminal element in these big cities they know the deal they've been asked to be nice enough they've been pleaded with enough and forget the parents the parents of them understand that these these miscreants will be parents one day and their children will be miscreants so you can bet that most of their parents not all but most of their parents are miscreants just like they are so what are you asking for <clears throat> if they if they even have parents especially a father <clears throat> i mean so you know you know you get the police chief who has you know good decent parents thinking that all parents are like his parents not the way it works so asking the parents to come and and you know take responsibility for their children, asking the parents to even chastise or punish their children for being part of such a thing, it's not going to happen. They would either 
not care at all or encourage them. What stops them is by putting them in jail. What stops them is allowing law-abiding citizens to carry weapons, guns, to protect themselves the way the Second Amendment says. To protect your own body, to protect your family, protect your own well-being. That is what stops crime. That's what deters crime. They'll never get it, which is why our big cities are lost. Our big cities are really fucking lost. And this whole social media influence thing, this is on both sides of the coin, is totally fucking ridiculous, all right? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous who we make into somebody in this country, especially. It doesn't happen in any other country. The world is the World Wide Web. Social media is worldwide. Yet why are these, most of these ridiculous, idiotic social media influencers in this country? And they get attention in this country. No one gives a fuck about them in other countries. So this social media influencer thing is ridiculous. With this guy, with this black guy who was giving out PlayStations, who caused this riot today, who I'd never heard of before to people on the right such as someone who calls themselves cat turd on twitter now yeah i get it's cute it's a cute name it's a funny name cat turd haha clever but what amazes me is that people take these people seriously I think Daniel, he's not here right now, but he brought this up a long time ago, where if you're on social media, you should have to have your real name. Um, but I think that it's the anonymity that's the problem, right? It's the anonymity that gives people, they think that gives them the right to do things they would never do if they weren't anonymous, Right. It's hard for me to ever take anonymous people seriously. You know my name, Micah Chopley. You know Bill's name. You know Lance's name. Hello, Bill and Lance. Hakeem, everyone's name. Real people are not afraid to use their real name. People who are anonymous simply shouldn't be taken seriously because they get to hide behind that anonymity. And say things that are very, very sometimes either just dishonest or wrong or dangerous or stupid. But the fact that so many millions of people take them seriously and, 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 and raise them up to, to ridiculous levels is sad. I mean... Hiding behind the icon of a cat excrement. Are you a are you a serious person? I mean, being a, a fifty or fifty sixty year old man and going to bed at eight p.m. makes you a serious social and you're a ser and you're a serious social influencer, according to the Trump cult.
I mean, I've seen genius people, very smart people post things on social media that are really either clever or true or to the point, very incisive. No one cares. And then nobodies will post bile and it gets millions of views and retweets. So what does that say about our society? And should we allow this kind of anonymity with people who seem to have so much influence with so many people in this country? Should the, would we allow the president to be an anonymous, no name president, and it would a bag over their head? Remember that act? Oh, God, I'm really dating myself now. The, remember the gong show? Was it the gong show with the guy with the paper bag over his head? Remember that? <laughs> yeah, okay, good. I'm not, I'm not the only one. Uh, is that what we want? How about a president? Maybe some of you do want this. <laughs> the president just wears a paper bag over their head. Or every time we see them on television, they're blurred. There's a blur. It blurs out the face. And you don't know then. It's just president number 48. President, where are we, 47, 46? That's it. Do we want that? Should that be allowed? So why should someone with so much influence on social media, the internet, be allowed to do it? I've always used my name. I've had no problem using my name ever. No problem. You know where to find me. And I, I and look, you know my name isn't Mike Jones or Mike Smith. There's only a few of me in the entire world. And I'm not afraid of that, of putting my name out there. And so you can agree with me, you can disagree with me, whatever it may be. Whether I was, when I was running for office, obviously my name, when I was on the radio, I used my name. And now I use my name. And on social media, I've used my name. I've always used my name. Even when I had kind of a handle, my name was next to it. So I don't, yeah, it is a scary place, uh, Lance, in a lot of ways. But maybe a little bit less scary if people had to use their, in other words, if someone had to use their name, if someone like Cat Turd had to use their real name, they'd either do it or they'd cease to exist. All right? So say what you want. Say all the bullshit you want. Say all the crap you want. But put your name, put your real name next to it. And if you're saying things that make you afraid to put your real name next to it, maybe you shouldn't be allowed to say those things. You can be allowed to say them outside your, you can scream it outside your window. You can go in the street. Like I see people in the streets here in San Francisco yelling things and talking to themselves. You can do that if you want. But maybe you shouldn't be allowed on a Twitter or Facebook. Maybe you shouldn't be allowed on something that's run by people, a private company unless you put your own name. All the free speech you want, but put your own name. You cannot be anonymous. And you look at most of these accounts that cause the most problems, that get the most hits, that have the most viewers, that, 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 that uh, have a good following, and they're anonymous. It's easy. I can make up a fake name tomorrow and then just post all the crap I want. And I have no responsibility because no one knows who's doing it. No one knows who's doing it. So it has emboldened these people that never had this ability before, right? 
is embolden people because you can have an anonymous handle and no one knows who you are and therefore you have no responsibility for anything you say or do. Hakeem, how's it going? You're on and let's be heard. Excellent. How are you, sir? Good, good. Pretty good. Pretty good. I just um, was just coming up to uh, just, I really think that this point about the anonymity is really important because it's interesting how some people have said to me that I'm afraid of confrontation or I'm afraid to debate them or all this other kind of nonsense when I use my full first, middle, and last name on everything. I even have a website that is my full name. There you um, go. I mean, you know, it's it's ridiculous how people can get away with this stuff because they really are just uh, afraid um, and they're able to get away with this stuff and have no accountability and it just baffles me how it's it just goes on. I mean, someone made this a similar point about using your real name um, for for all kinds of things, like all the social media. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, what's the point? Like, what, where where are all these? And then I mean, and then I mean, what are people afraid that people are going to make fun of them because they're ugly if they don't use their real picture? Mm-hmm. You know, it's I mean, we're we have our, our photos on our driver's license. And we have to present the idea, like, you know, I, I used to work security at, a, at nightclubs and bars and things like that. And, you know, people are causing so much trouble, inciting violence even, as you noted, um, as these so-called influencers. But yet still a lot of them go by these ridiculous names and sometimes don't ever even show their faces. And they're out here blogging and putting out all these massive amounts of tweets and amassing all these followers for, one, like you said, putting out basically gibberish, just malarkey that they put on there. And it's interesting how I get crickets when I try to write things from my academic uh, background and experience, having a degree in English language and linguistics and clinical hypnosis and the things that I study. And it'll get no play even from people who are my friends, mm-hmm. right? And as soon as I put out like a, a, a photo or something that is, which I normally don't do, most of my, uh, like 99.99999% of my social media are me posting things that, uh, articles that I've written, research that I've done, books that I've published and things like that. But people, do they pay attention to that? Do they give you accolades? No. But as soon as there's, one little funny thing in the the point zero 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 one times that I posted, then they're all over that, and they're sharing that. Yep. And it's just really, it, it can be disappointing. Fortunately, I don't get my feelings hurt about it, but it's um, it's really interesting because it's just an observation that, like, similar to the one that you've made of the things that people decide to pay attention to, and uh, you know, and also being so tricked. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen like. Tweets and now a big part of the problem with Twitter and and Elon Musk has not addressed this is um, is that people were shadow banned you know during the administration yeah. and, and that has not been taken off so a lot of people I'm one of them and, and there are other people who are shadow banned in other words if you have, I have seven thousand followers but maybe seventy people see my stuff there are people with hundred thousand followers maybe ten thousand people see their stuff it's it's right. called 
of banning. So yeah. I've seen tweets that are really good, right? And it'll have, you know, they'll have they'll have fifty thousand followers and they'll get ten retweets, and then I'll see people with two hundred followers who say the dumbest thing. Right. They'll get thousands of retweets, and that has to do with the shadow banning problem. Right. But on top of all that, it's just there are a lot of stupid people on social media. That's true. They, they like they like stupid things. They like dumb things. I mean, you'll see. Like I said, I'll, I'll see a very smart thing. And it won't do nearly as well when it comes to visibility as someone who puts out something like, um, I, I ate a banana today, reminded me of Joe Biden, and they'll get five yeah. million retweets. It's stupid. It's just it reminds me of, like, I do, I have something that I created called World Reading Club. And so I go on and I read parts of books or entire chapters or things like that and then have a discussion about it. And people will not show up for that. But as soon as I put something controversial, like every once in a while, like there was this whole controversy, I don't know if you remember, when Joe Rogan was on the news every single day. Um, and then people started trying to attack him because, you know, he's the number one podcast in the world and he has uh, controversial uh, ideas about COVID and things like that. And so I'm not a huge Joe Rogan fan. I enjoy some of the guests on his show. I don't mind the guy at all. But People started talking about him being racist and saying the N-word and all this other stuff like that. So I decided to research into what exactly they were talking about. And so I went on and I did a show that I know was clickbait, and it was called um, Joe Rogan and the Planet of the N-Words, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm of African descent, you know, I have mm -hmm. brown skin, all that. So I took the liberty, of course, everybody says, uh, it's okay if you say it because of all that other <laughs> nonsense, right? And but, but, of course, that gets so much, so many downloads and shares and retweets and everything like that and everywhere that I put it. Because, for what? Because it, it used a controversial, you know, racial slur. And, 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 but I was, and they wanted to see what my perspective was. It, and it got the most comments and, you know, uh, emails even. And things like that, and friends contacting me about it and saying, yeah, yeah, that's what's up, I, I saw that. But for God forbid I start talking about basic physics or things that I feel like people should understand if they want to make different policies or just for the general public to understand better the world around them. Tweet, 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 crickets. Yeah, you see? Yeah. It's, it's, or should I say chirp, 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 not tweet. Chirp, 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 it, chirp. Right? <laughs> Yeah. No, 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 no. That's... A big problem it really is and like i said it's like i've gotten to the point now where i don't even i don't know i guess i don't, I don't expect much from right. from twitter or facebook anymore well i've abandoned uh even interacting on social media more i just use it as a shotgun way to blast out all of my content yeah exactly that's it but it's it it's sad that like you said the men look I guess it's not a surprise because, you know, we've seen dumb things play much better in this country than smart things, right? People are often more interested in dumb things. They'll see, they'll see the, you know, they'll see the silly comedy movie more than the serious film that actually says something or documentaries or foreign films. I mean, this yeah. is not a shock. The people in this country often have that kind of taste, right? Where they go for the most lowbrow base things and that often has been much more popular than things that are in smart or intelligence or or intelligent or actually teach something. I mean, this is this has been going on long before social yeah. media. 
But now we get to actually, I guess, see it more, right, in black and white every day, where you see these tweets that just, you know, are very smart, or they talk about something that's interesting, or they link to something that's interesting, they get very little anything, and then someone put out a, a wisecrack with, you know, 10 words, and it'll get millions of views. And that's just the way it goes. I mean, we live in kind of a, a dumb country <laughs> in many ways. Do you, do you think, Mike, that um, part of this might be uh, part of a bigger agenda that's allowing people to kind of to just focus on the stupid? Because even, you know, I, I know, I know, I know this is so trite, but everybody brings up Hitler. But, there, but I study a lot of books on capitalism and things like that, and one of the things that he, he said was similar. I don't know the exact quote, but he said how fortunate the government would be if their if they're, uh, citizens are, are ignorant or stupid. Yeah, well, I think, it's, I, I think the government in general would rather have their citizens be ignorant and stupid. There's no doubt about it. Because then, as, as, and we've talked about this over the last few years, they'll just accept whatever they're told, right? Yeah. In other words, the government wants the citizens to believe that they're the smart ones in the room, right? They know everything. They got it taken care of. Don't worry about it. We got you. We got your back. You just listen to what we say because we're smarter and we have people who work for us who are much smarter than you'll ever be. Didn't we hear this during COVID? Don't do your own research. Now, what government that wants their people, what government that wants their people to be smart says, don't do your own research. That's basically saying, you know, you're really too dumb to understand anything you read. You don't get it. It's above your head. We'll, we'll translate for you. We'll let you know what the deal is. And that's what they want, man. They want the people to be dumb and ignorant and submissive and think, think that they're beneath the people who run things. Those people know best. And what's really frightening is the supposedly, supposedly, it's kind of the inverse. Supposedly, the smartest people, the coastal elites, are the ones who give in to the government on that more than the people in middle America who are supposed to have, remember, those are supposed to be the flyover people, right? according right. to the coastal elite, the low IQ farmer and so on and so forth, the blue-collar worker, they're the people who don't give in to that bullshit from the government. That's the amazing thing is that the smartest people, like the university types, are the first to give in to the government saying, we're smart, you're dumb, shut up. The academic elites, as some people have called them, don't, are, are really the, a large problem. They're the ones that, because, you know, uh, I'm sure you've heard the, the history that the Prussian school system, which is from, you know, ancient, earlier Germany, is basically a military-style system that is training people to basically obey and follow orders and not to think for themselves. Right. So this is what most people go through all the way through from elementary school all through college. Sit at your desk, listen to the teacher. The teacher knows best. Don't ask any questions. They're punished for making mistakes. We're in the real world. Making mistakes is how you learn. Uh, they're punished. They're, they're said that they're told that they're cheating if they work with each other on their homework or on tests and things like that. When in the real world, working on teams is the way that you succeed. And so, all of these things that people have been trained into them, and they just accept that as just the way that it is. And no, and hardly anyone uh, looks outside to anything for themselves. Yeah, and. 
it, it's 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 sad because I think that when you look at the internet, and obviously we we talked about this when the when the when the internet first started, um, but there's so much uh, uh, promise, right? If we really wanted to, there's so much of information course. we can actually. It's so easy now to go on there and and search for yourself or investigate things that was difficult to do. We used to have to maybe go to a library, right? And get books yeah. or look at microfiche or whatever it may be to find stuff out. Now we don't need to do that anymore. We don't have to look into encyclopedia or dictionary anymore. We can go on the internet and it's, it's becoming easier and easier, right? With the artificial intelligence and chat GPT and all that stuff. It's becoming easier than ever to really find out what you know, need to know, right? Do you can get a world-class education. And you, get, and you can, you know, and you can check what you hear from the people on television <laughs> easier now, right? You can say, wait a minute, that sounds, I don't know, that sounds kind of fishy to me. Let me, let me check this out, you know. You know, maybe the idea that, I don't know, cloth masks with a lot of holes, it, it might be difficult for those to prevent a microscopic virus <laughs> particulate from getting into my nose. That, that kind of makes sense to me. Let me let me research if you have to research that a little bit more. You know, this guy Fauci. What what did he do? He's eighty. He's well, seventy five, seventy six years old, and here he is. I've never seen him before. What did he do before? Never. Let, me, let me let me check out, and maybe in ten minutes you'll find out what he did to people in the eighties yeah. and nineties. It's so easy, man. Yet people simply don't want to do it. It's like a. Uh a podcast I did some time ago where it, the question was why complain about social media and all this other stuff like that. And then the whole point of that was to answer the question was why complain about it and how people are so stupid and this and that just use it the way that it should be as a research tool to educate yourself, to have all this information at your fingertips to make better choices. But no, yeah, uh, it's, um, it's an unfortunate state of affairs. Mike, I appreciate you letting me chat for you. Yeah, thanks, uh, Akeem. And thanks for yeah. using your real name. I appreciate it. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Have a good weekend. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Have a good weekend. Great. Okay. Um, Bill. How are you, Bill? How's it going? Hey, Bill. There you are. There you are. Mike, can you hear me okay? Can you hear me? Yep. Check, check. All right, before we get yeah. deep... Remember, I told you for Friday night I was going to put in some some amusing shockers for you, entertainment, a little yes. entertainment. Yes. All right. Check out the live chat. I got some serious stuff, but I also got four videos, separate settings for Buzz Aldrin is saying he did not go to the moon. <laughs> oh, did you find stuff about that? I have, yeah, to, look yeah. I have, to, look it, I have to look it up. I have to look right. it up. So Check that out. There's, yeah. there's more. There's more. Wait, they got him in there. All right. And the, and the, and the Stanley Kubrick stuff? Stanley Kubrick, where he's yeah. the admonition video? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the Stanley Kubrick stuff. There's another guy who's really good. He has a YouTube channel, The Y Files. It's funny. He has this fish that he you know, sits next to him and he, the fish talks and the fish tank. You know, it's a cartoon. But anyway, and he breaks down why we didn't go to the moon and he very in depth and that's another video in there so oh oh and then i got obama <laughs> twice calling michelle mike <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you <laughs> it's gonna come out it's just a matter of time brother you know, hey man it's out. a slip of the tongue 
Slip of the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Big Mike. Big Mike. So anyway. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's, you know, look, stuff like that now. We can even, look, let's put it this way. In, in the late 60s, early 70s, mm. you could not, in other words, you could easier, it, it should have been easier to fool people back then, right? Because, okay, mm. let's, let, let's put ourselves back then, Bill. Let's go back. What was the moon landing, 69 or 68? I don't recall. I was little then, but this is in the 60s. Yeah, yeah so we go know, back. Yeah. It's you and I go back, and we're watching yeah. the moon landing on television, mm. and, you know, it looks pretty good. <laughs> okay, great. How do we even look into, if, if you or I are thinking, if we're watching that, we're like, you know what? Maybe this isn't real. How do we even investigate this? How do we even start doing that in the late 60s? It would be oh. very difficult. Right? Impossible. I don't think you'd ever be able to get any information on a big thing. Really. Right. Now we're in a yeah. position where you can actually investigate things. You can look yeah. at things. You can look at articles that you've mm -hmm. posted. Talk about Stanley Kubrick, what he said. Talk about Buzz Aldrin. Look mm -hmm. at the evidence. Compare it. Look at the photo. Blow it up. You know, they've done all these investigations of it that sure. you can do now on, on the internet on yeah. what you could never do back then. But so what I'm trying to say is it should be much dif more difficult to fool people now than it was 50 years ago. But is that really the case? Well, I think the issue is, um, yeah, I think part of the problem is, like we mentioned earlier, like my father worked at his job, was able to raise four kids, mom stayed home. There was a lot more leisure time. People were less stressed. They weren't in survival mode as much as they are now working multiple jobs just to put food on the table and pay the rent. So that stress really has an effect on their ability to absorb anything outside of that and have the time. That's a real thing, you know, and that's one of the reasons it's happening. The destruction of our economies is all tied together with what Bush 1 put into the vernacular originally, the New World Order. He was the first one that put them into the American vernacular, if you remember. Yes. He, he often cited that. And so this is, we, you know, we get deep on that another night, but, but here we are Friday night. Now, I don't want to get deep, but you did too much, but you did mention gun rights. And mm -hmm. so we don't have to talk about it tonight, but there's a couple new videos I found in Rumble. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, you know, it's, I have no trouble talking about it, but I don't know if you want to tonight. We can do it next week. Just oh, good. Mention you know. it. We talk about oh, okay. it next week, but what is it? Well, first you have Wolfgang Halbig, who's, well, that's actually a Bishop video, but he's saying, I'm not going away. You know, in other words, Wolfgang was a Florida State trooper who was also a school principal who's assigned by the Jed Bird administration as a school safety officer. And, and he wrote up a school safety programs and over 10,000 were purchased around this country. He was the one spearheading the investigation into Sandy Hook. And so he's like, no, he's adamant in his position. He's not going away. So there's a video there that nobody died, that it was a FEMA capstone drill. And also there's a, a link where R.D. Steele, who's CIA, U.S. Marine Corps, and Fetzer, who's U.S. Marine Corps and professor, Again, echoing, nobody died. So you've got three very experienced officers in the And by the way, uh, Halbig is a veteran as well. And so, you know, it, that's because that whole thing needs to be exposed because it's about taking away 
your rights to bear arms, your freedom of speech, about crushing social media, which is, if you recall, the, the lawyers for the, whatever you want to call them, plaintiffs, were adamant that we're not only shut down Alex Jones, but also all social media, you know, as disinformation, misinformation, because this is coming from the State Department of Smith Montak Media, which is paid for media, to try and uh, eliminate our other sources of information. This is the issue. People say, why do you keep fighting for this bill? Because that's the agenda. We have now where we can search the internet. We have people in social media. But the other thing is a lot of people are self-censoring on certain issues because of not only the negative flack they get from people, but also what they see people when they get sued. Even though the lawsuits were dropped versus Wolfgang twice, they right. still got sued. And even, check this one out, Mike. I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this on that topic. Okay, make believe you were Alex Jones reporting on Wolfgang and the FOIA hearings, which is what was happening, and Wolfgang's findings as the expert assigned by the Jed Bush administration, da-da-da. So you're reporting on him. The plaintiffs sue him and then drop the lawsuit against him. He's the one that you were citing. They have nothing against you at that point because they've already dropped it against your source. So this that, that's all show trial. It's all garbage. And it's, and it's an appeal. And as you know, so we'll see what happens. But Judge Knapp and also Attorney Robert Barnes, just focusing on the civil suits alone, said they'll be dropped. You know, it's just a matter of time. But in the meantime, a lot of people are self-censoring, try and talk about it. There's this, Hakeem and I talked a lot about the mass formation psychosis around mass casualty events and how if you try and refute them, like in Kuwait, where it turned out to be our ambassador's, Kuwait's daughter, who testified that Iraqi soldiers were taking babies out of incubators, very convincing. And at that time, if you said she's lying or that didn't happen, you were a monster. That's the what's called the dog whistle in the psyop. Right. You know what I mean? That's the trick, tripwire, where if you try and call out the psyop, you're a monster. You see? So it deters yeah. people from doing it. Right. And it also builds in what they do is this is real quick. This is a series of demoralization, destabilization, crisis over and over again, whether it's adding COVID, adding the Ukraine war that's causing cost everything to go up and and the kids wearing masks and then people committing suicide at home or the businesses being shut down. We're in a state of constant crisis where then things hit our emotions so hard that it's hard to reason, you see? But that's by design, you know. It's a real ideological subversion. It's very sad, but and it's coming from what Bush talked about, the New World Order, that's where it's coming from, the Bilderberg World Economic Forum continuance. That's where it's coming from because they want uh, this destruction of our economy, destruction of our social network, the trans movement. You know, we actually have the CDC disgustingly approving of men chest feeding their babies yeah. if they get the hormones. You heard about that? Yeah. That is child sex abuse. There's no other way to see that. And that, that, those, but our CDC approves of this. So now you, you, cops can't arrest anyone for doing that. You know what I mean? Yep. And there's no long-term study of how that affects the health of a child. That, that's not even 
that doesn't have the colostrum or the hormones that the mother's milk would have to build the baby proper. I mean, this is in absolute insanity that we're in this state right now of circumstances. But at least one thing I appreciate about your show, it can be discussed and you believe in free speech and, you know, you're able to listen to it without reacting to the PSYOP dog whistles. And it was nice to hear you had a friend in Florida. Was it Florida where he had some thoughts about Parkland? Where he had some suspicions, yes, you know what I mean? Yes, Florida. Yeah. Well, he lives uh, in Parkland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which, yeah, and that I think Parkland's mentioned by R.D. Steele in the article I put in. I put in a little bit of his bio, and right below it, there's the uh, the link. It's very thorough. It's about all international and domestic false flags, when up to where he wrote the article. Now, this fellow, right? You know, he supposedly died. <laughs> of COVID, of all things. Nobody dies of COVID. You you die of medical malpractice. You know what I'm saying? We know the ways that that happens. Or you die of something, but you had COVID, so they listed as dying for COVID, so the oh, hospital yeah. got 35 oh, yeah. grand. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, so, and, and, and they wanted those numbers to be as high as possible. Of course. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's a big racket. Yeah. Oh. One more thing. Good. Recently posted in the Rumble video, which is because since Rumble bought the app, this is very good. Is within the last several weeks, somebody posted the Barry Saratoro. It's a synonym, synonym the guy's using as a citizen reporter. But he broke down the mainstream media stock footage that was used for Sandy Hook over and over and over again. Bill O'Reilly, Gerardo Rivera, whatever. And there's a... I went through an NRI safety certification program as a youth. Mm-hmm. Any cop watching that video, any knows anything about guns, this fellow who's supposed to be an FBI SWAT team member, Sandy Hook, that photo of the f- footage, is carrying the gun, Mike, upside down by the magazine, pointing backwards with oh. the shoulder harness dangling. That person has never handled a gun. And if that was a real event and he stepped into there w- looking like an FBI SWAT team member with actually it was surplus gear, he didn't have the patch on, but carrying an assault rifle that way, he'd be lucky if he'd be alive today. They would have sniped him. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's a fact. And so, and also there's a photo in there that was acquired through photo, through FOIA, where the Connecticut State Police have a van set up outside, right in front of the school, and there's crime tape on the pillars supporting the front overhang, and they're setting up the scene because the windows aren't shot out yet, but they're there already. Right. Yeah. They're setting it up. And then the carver, the corner, is already there. A lot of questions. So this is evidence. Yes, sir. Yeah. 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 Bill, let, so me, let, me get to, let me get to Lance. He's been sitting there for a while. We don't want to leave, let Lance sit too long. We know what happens. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. I'll, I'll talk about the Have other things. Have a good things. weekend. We'll talk next week. You too, right. brother. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks a lot. Right. Okay. Lance. Let me try to get you on here. All right. Lance. How's it going, Lance? What's up? Where'd you go? Lance, are you there? Oh, hold on. Yeah, Lance, how's it going? <laughs> What's up, Mike? Okay, so July twentieth, sixty nine. That was the moon landing, right? Well, allegedly. No, allegedly, it happened on that day. Yeah, okay. but I got the, 
I got the conspiracy theory, the Mac Daddy law conspiracy theory. Okay, now you know how the whole world is potentially a hologram that's, you know, kind of a, 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 that was created by some, you know, advanced aliens in space. So here's the proof, man. It's going to all come out. It's going to all come out when they get the documents, you know, when they get the, when they really let these people speak their mind and they don't shut them up. Christopher Columbus never left Italy. He never went to Hispaniola. He did not discover the New World. Jamestown and 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 um, you know Plymouth Rock, all a hoax. America was never founded. It, it doesn't exist. The New World never never existed. So just want to let you know. Now it's all going to come out. You know, we'll see. I'm going to give you the links to all the stuff that's going to prove it. But uh, I'll tell you, where do we find that out? Well, that's I, that blows my mind right there. Oh come on! I mean. But I got to tell you something. I literally have people, at least two or three people a day, telling me how much brother, and I'm not exaggerating, how much brother William hates me. I mean, the man cannot, I mean, literally people comment on <laughs> He hates me, man. Anyway, <clears throat> but, um, and you got the other guy here who, uh, if you want to hear, I can flesh out how it happened, and I'll, I'll stop there because I don't want to make this personal, but it just happens that they're both here trying to paint me as a racist uh, because they deliberately took something way out of context and then spread it around. And, oh, Lance is a racist, and then other people pick it up and they, they spew it. You know, Nobody believes it, I don't think. But, uh, this, is the, uh, this, is the, this is the This is what's being spread around by uh, What did people. you say? Did you say something? Uh, okay, let me tell you specifically. I was talking about unions and how unions were really strong, solidarity, blacks mm -hmm. and whites, you know, and when they were on the picket line, boy, they were brothers in arms. Okay. Yeah. But they didn't like each other. Okay. Necessarily. So my point was that the white folks were not going to the black folks at weddings and funerals and vice versa. Okay. Mm -hmm. They went to their own tribes. And this is what I've tried to get through to people. It goes back to Abby Hoffman and some of the sixties radicals. We aren't going to sing Kumbaya and get along and work out each other's differences. He said, yeah. I'm an, I'm a suburban, uh, white guy from Brandeis and I can relate to the causes of the working class, you know, totally. Yeah, sure. But not totally. Cause I never, you know, and the inner city guy, the black were sitting across the table from me. I'm never going to have his background or vice versa. We have common ground. We can love each other like brothers, but we're not going to necessarily get, get along culturally, we're going to go back to our tribe. Not that he went back to Brandeis suburbia, but anyway. So what right. I was suggesting, so here's what I said. So I said, here's in a typical factory, I said, when you're, you know, doing union organizing and stuff and protesting, I said, the white folks, okay, uh, would not be going to the black folks, uh, you know, functions and the blacks folks, you know, the black, the whites would not, and the blacks uh, would not be going to the white folks function. So now you know how it is, Mike, which is correct when somebody says, well, you know, in my opinion about racial stuff, you know, the blacks, this, or the whites, you're kind of lumping them all together and it's a racist term. You understand that. Mm -hmm. But I said it in the context of a specific group of people. So I guess I'm just as racist against whites. I hate myself too. Cause I said the blacks would tend to go back to their own culture. The whites would go. So this person said, Oh, you said the black. This is Hakeem I'm talking about. You said the black. That's racist. And now he's got Heidi and others that already hate me <laughs> spreading that around because I said that, which yeah. is obviously it was taken out of context. You see what I mean, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I say blacks and whites all the time. No, no, I said the black, which definitely, if you use them and you lump them all together, that is a racist trope. It is. Uh -huh. I said the blacks, meaning the blacks at a particular factory and the whites at this particular yeah. factory. So in American English, when you use a uh or the or you don't use the pronoun or the article, 
it means something different, right? You could be talking about any person or a specific group. Well, I was referring to a specific group. So it certainly wasn't racist to say the black. Now, Hakeem is not dumb. So he deliberately took it out of context so he could spread a racist rumor. Now, I find that really strange for an elite, visionary, innovative leader, guru, grandmaster. You know, they don't usually, of course, he's, I've never been talked to like that by an elite, visionary, innovative leader, guru, grandmaster. But then again, Hakeem's the only elite, visionary, innovative leader, guru, grandmaster that I've ever met. So, you know, anyway. Mean, what are you trying to say? Huh? That's his moniker. That's what he calls himself. And I'm saying for someone who was such an elite individual that's so erudite and, you know, and now, and, and wise, he couldn't have possibly not known that he was deliberately because he didn't like me uh, pushing back way when I first met him on something very gently uh, that uh, he had, he's had a bug up his ass about me since forever. But you know, when I got, see, you're not on little calling cause you're, you know, you got your bigger following or whatever the things you do. But see, I got to push back cause I'm fighting like Popeye or Bruce Lee, you know, when I used to fight, you know, <laughs> 20 motherfuckers at the same time. But because I'm such a contrarian, I'm a pain in the ass to every motherfucker I meet, and I know it. I think you can relate, and so you know. I, I, <laughs> yes, I, I can relate. I, I can. I wear it. I wear it like F, like FDR said. I yeah. wear their hate. I wear their hate like a badge of honor. But enough of the personal shit. I wanted to mention something about social media. Unless you want to. FDR said Republicans hate me and I welcome their hatred. That well, conservatives, yeah. He said I welcome their hatred. Yeah, well, yeah, same thing. So I'm I'm the same way. It doesn't bother me. I thought it might be amusing to see what these people are up to. But anyway, uh, I wanted to talk about this social media thing. I saw really it's okay cuz you were talking about Twitter and all that. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. I saw a really great interview. I don't know if you know who Jonathan Haidt is, H-A-I-D-T. He wrote, uh, the, um, oh, you would like the guy. He talks about how we're being dumbed down deliberately and how, you know, um, uh, you would disagree, I think, on some things, but he's, it's called the coddling of the American mind, you know, how we're being like spoiled too and just kind of, you know, the, the, our parents now, they want to take away any risk. We don't want to have to learn how to deal with risk. We just want to eliminate it and all that stuff. He had a debate about what to do about social media, whether the government or corporations should be controlling the, you know, what gets said. And it was with Robbie Suave. You might know him, Robbie, you know, Robbie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And you know, he's got some very bizarre, like when libertarians, they take certain things like to such a weird logical conclusion that they, it turns out to be wacko, but I like Robbie generally. He's an open-minded person. He will at least accept what you have to say. I don't think he's a toxic guy, although he has some weird takes, but anyway, they had a debate and something they did not hit on which is that there's a simple solution. Okay, government totally corrupt. Corporations totally corrupt. So the idea that, well, the government, you know, corporations can do content moderation and decide what we see or hear, right? They take things down, they put things up, YouTube, whatever. Oh, we sure don't want the government telling us that. Well, they're both corrupt. We only have modicum of control over one, that's the government. Now, I could just give you just a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. You can talk about cabriolets, horse, little horse and buggies. They were cabs and they could charge whatever they want. And cities all across the country said, this is nuts. So they had to come up just like Uber does, you know, dynamic pricing. Well, you know what? If it's raining out and whatever the 19th century burlesque house and everybody's coming out in the rain. Yeah. They're going to charge a lot more than a nice sunny Sunday when everybody's sleeping, just like it is with the cab business. All right. So they had to regulate it because it was too many weirdos, too much weird pricing. Telegraph, you know, the whole telegraph system was private. But, you know, anything, we think this idea that corporations are now sacred somehow, that they they're, were just like to be benevolent to corporations because they provide so many jobs. Corporations were chartered, they're legal constructs because society liked them. They were beneficial. When they're not beneficial, 
We say, screw you. We're taking it over. We're not going to, we're not socialist totally, but we're going to take it over and get some other motherfuckers. You're all fired. We're going to get new bosses. They did that in the F, when FDR, you know, in the depression. So the telegraph company, we're all private. Well, if you're a politician or a businessman, you can shut out your rivals' uh, messages from getting in and out. I don't want my my political rivals. So the society said, once we got all connected, just like with railroads got all connected, it wasn't just a few little lines here and there. But once it became a thing, we said, no, sorry, telegraph companies. This is too important to society. We're going to heavily regulate you, so you have to let all the messages through, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, same thing with railroads. Now, we don't regulate them the way we should. But railroads were a mess. Now you realize we didn't work connected. It didn't matter if the time in Indiana was two o'clock and it was eight o'clock at night in, uh, of course, you know, we're in, uh, in, in Boise because you didn't connect with those people. You didn't need it. Well, now with a telegraph, you could talk kind of in real time across the country. The railroads had all kinds of lines, not just one going across. So the railroads got too big and cumbersome. The time zones were weird. Banks could were doing their own currency. We didn't really have, we had a national currency, but it didn't matter. You could still have currency. You know, there's no law that says you can't trade whatever dollars that you want. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you're not counterfeiting. So there was all these different currencies, different banks, the Bank of Chicago or whatever the fuck, the Bank of New York, the Bank of LA, they'd all have different currency. And you know, what about the exchange rate? So we said, no, 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 you're going to. So they said, no, the railroads are going to have to have consistent time things. You had trains that were different companies that said, we don't have to move. Our, our next train doesn't, you know, blah, 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 blah. So they, they said, no, we sorry, uh, privately, could, you know, and this was all private money. We did not have socialism programs, with, uh, lots of bonds and stuff from the government. We, you know, people did it on their own. Thomas Edison, he invented stuff, made money off it. Same thing with utilities. Con Edison in New York State, I just called the Public Service Commission and I got a deal where I'm paying $10 a month for like 77 months or 770 months. Now, no corporation would do that unless they were heavily regulated. So it's just a fucking no brainer. I don't yeah. care. I know the government sucks, but whether it's telegraphs that were all private until they got too important to be run by the private people themselves for capitalist reasons. Same with the railroads. The same thing with uh, what I just mentioned with, you know, and we also had all kinds of rules about newspapers and what you, you couldn't just sell a newspaper. You had to have minority owned stuff and Clinton got rid of all that. So it's a bipartisan thing. It's a no brainer. We got to make social media like a public utility so that anybody can say any motherfucking thing they want on these platforms except libel and slander, the same laws that apply. So you mean you want, you want more regulation? No. Well, what do you mean more regulation? So what you would – oh, my God. So, you know, we had the East Palestine, like, rain to, train derailment. The Republicans are saying, we don't want to overregulate. People are dying. Yeah, you got to have regulation, Mike. You do have to have a modicum of regulation so that people can't completely say, we're the corporation. You can't vote us out so we can crush you any way we want, and we can send old people out in the winter into the snow if we want to. That's yeah. what regulation does. It says no, oh. no uh, utility company. You can't cut off grandma's heat. This is what was happening, by the way, in the 70s. You can't cut off grandma's heat and let her freeze. That's what regulation does. It prevents you from letting grandma freeze. It prevents people from saying, you know, uh, no, I'm sorry, but you can't get this best deal that, not, that National Grid offers. That's what the yeah. Public Service Commission does. They're a regulatory thing. When I call Public Service Commission, I got National Grid calling me, apologizing. We will do whatever you want because they get in hot water. Yeah. yeah, I want regulation, not over-regulation, but when it comes to big, huge corporations that can run rampant over us, not every mom-and-pop restaurant has to worry about, you know, whether the temperature went one degree lower, but it's still safe in the fridge. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about mega corporations. The bigger the corporation, the more regulation they need. Same thing with AT&T. Guess what? 
AT&T owned all the, all the transmission lines, all the phone lines. And the government said, it's called common carrier. They said, we don't want to let our competitors, even for a few cents, uh, you know, for cheap to, you know, for a nominal fee, or even if we could charge a lot, we want to crush our competition. And the people said, no, sorry, AT&T, there's too many other things that need to go across those lines. So you are going to let people use your lines to do stuff and for society was was helped by that it wasn't like like it was just so government could be assholes it was so that the people could use those lines for other things and at&t could literally couldn't have monopoly on their own phone lines it was too beneficial to society so yeah okay <laughs> sounds good <laughs> well so we could talk more about that some other time um but uh you know once again their government regulation the point with that is Yes, it works to a point, but sometimes there's too much in the way of regulation, which is what we see here in California, right, where things are so overly regulated that people can't be in business here. They make it impossible for people to be in business here. But you're right. There's a difference between corporations and small businesses and those kinds of regulations. And the Internet's very new. So we'll have to talk about, you know, all this stuff is definitely worth worth talking about. Now, now Bill, I don't want this show to be about personal grievances going back and forth. You have to remember, whatever Lance was talking about with the race stuff happened somewhere else. So it's kind of bad radio. People listening to this podcast have no idea what you guys are talking about. Neither do I. So I, I don't want to make this show about, you know, uh, personal grievances going back and forth, who called who um, a racist somewhere else. You really should take that to wherever it started because people listening to this probably don't want to hear that too much. Okay. So, oh, we can, we can get into it on Monday. If you want, if you want to start a conversation on this show about race, that's fine. If you want to start a conversation on this show about what, what people may consider racist or not racist, or what kinds of comments are racist, which kinds aren't, if people are just too, too many snowflakes these days, where they take everything, you know, everything's racist, no matter what you say, it's, that's a whole other thing. But I just don't want to get into a back and forth here where, you know, we get into you know, the personal grievance thing. I don't think anyone, let's put it this way. My opinion is nobody is racist. Nobody that's on this show that's ever spoken to me is, uh, is racist. You know, so that's, that's just my feeling on it. No one's ever said anything racist on this show. Maybe I have, but that's about it. <laughs> no one else has said anything racist. Um, yeah, I know. He's referring to Hakeem. I understand. But Hakeem has come and gone. If he wants to come on and talk about it sometime, that's fine also. Um, if, like I said, if we want to have a conversation on this show about race or whatever you guys were talking about, first of all, why are you talking about it on some other show? Why aren't you talking about it on my show? Anyway. So I don't want to get into that. We can go down a, a, a rabbit hole now with this stuff late on a Friday night. I want to talk about one more thing and then get into the film review. And if we want to, yeah, if we want to talk about this on Monday, start the week off, <laughs> we can certainly do that. I have no problem with that. Um, but um, Vivek Ramaswamy, you know what I feel about uh, – Vivek Ramaswamy. I don't think much of him. When he first started talking on Fox News, I thought he made a lot of sense, you know, during COVID. 
But um, then I realized something was wrong. I was like, something's wrong with this guy. I don't know what it is. What is it about him I don't like? I don't get it because I, I agree with him on many issues. And I, uh, I agree with him on all the COVID mandates and stuff. And I agree with him about government overreach. And I agree with him on a lot of stuff. There's something that rubbed me the wrong way. Couldn't quite put my finger on it. Now I can. He's simply a political ladder climber, right? Everything is politically motivated. Everything's about him and his political future, right? He's already made it big in business and tech, whatever he was in, made millions and millions of dollars, became too wealthy at too young of an age. And often when someone becomes too wealthy at too young of an age, it goes to their head and they think they can be leader of the world. And that's part of Ramaswamy's problem. But it's all, it's not, let me get there honestly. Let me be an honest broker. It's all, how can I political ladder climb the best? And he uses his incredibly used car salesman talent. Remember, we often make fun of used car salesmen, but they're very good at what they do for a reason. They're very good used car salesmen out there. People make a good living at it because they talk really well. They're selling garbage. But they talk well, and they get the job done, and they get the item sold. They get the lemon sold. And that's what Ramaswamy is. He's trying to get the lemon, known as Vivek Ramaswamy, sold to the public. And the way he's doing this is he's you, he knows that Trump is going to drop out, that he's not going to be president. There's no way. Ramaswamy is smart enough to know that Trump will not become the next president of the United States. So what he's doing is he's trying to kiss his ass as much as possible because while Trump would be president again, his cult, his following, is a, a pretty decent chunk of the Republican Party. So what he wants to do is he wants Trump's sloppy seconds once Trump drops out, which he will. And I'm guessing at some point pretty soon he will. Um, and Ramaswamy wants to pick up his support. He wants to pick up his endorsement. He wants to pick up his supporters. So he's kissing Trump's ass as much as possible. But he also says some pretty stupid things, but he says them because he believes it'll get him where he needs to go. Remember, he said recently that the voting age should be 25. And of course, I thought that was ridiculous, but there's a reason why. Ramaswamy doesn't really believe the voting age should be 25. The 18 to 25 group votes Democrat, right? The 18 to 25 group is the group that the, the conservatives often make fun of, right? They don't know what they're doing. Ah, these kids, they don't know what they're doing. They shouldn't be able to vote. So he's tapping into that, right? He's tapping into that real base element that just doesn't like that 18 to 25-year-old. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. And, of course, they do vote for Democrats. So he wants to try to eliminate <laughs> the Democrats' strongest voting bloc, okay? You can't get more politically motivated than that. Under the guise of, oh, they're not smart enough yet. Now he came up with an even dumber idea, which is that anyone 18 to 24, if they want to vote, need to pass a civics test, the same one immigrants take to become U.S. citizens. Now, of course, this is absolutely idiotic because I know plenty of 24-year-olds who are much smarter politically than 50-year-olds, many of them. There are many 24-year-olds who I trust to vote more than 50-year-olds. So saying like a 24-year-old 
shouldn't be able to vote, but a 26-year-old, oh, they know much more, is as dumb as saying that a 97-year-old is allowed to run for president, but a 34-year-old is not allowed to run. It's idiotic, it's fucking stupid, and it should go away, okay? So basing anything just on, like, that age group is ridiculous. Plus, it's racist. You want to talk about racism? This is racist because people come from all different kinds of socioeconomic backgrounds. So the education that they've been that's been available to them up until 24, 25 years old is different. Maybe if you're an inner city black kid or if you're fucking if you came from fucking wealthy seamen like Donald Trump and happened to be just born into wealthy family. So we come from all different socioeconomic backgrounds. So that civics test that I'm sure Ramaswamy is saying should be one particular blank civics test is going to be harder maybe for some 18 to 24 year olds to pass than others based on their socioeconomic background and the education that's been available to them for the first 25 years of their life. So it's absolutely back crap stupid. Not only is it bad crap stupid, but the idea that the voting age is going to be 25 or that 18 to 24-year-olds will ever have to pass a civics test to vote is idiotic. It's one of those things that politicians say knowing it will never fucking happen. It's impossible for it to happen. Okay? Just like Trump has said that the day he takes office, the Ukraine war ends. If it's still going on, the day he takes office, it ends. Okay? Or saying things like, well, you know, I'm going to, you know, drain the swamp in six months. And of course, he didn't do it in four years because it's actually even if you intend to drain the swamp, you're not doing it in six fucking months. It's not happening. OK, so these are things that politicians say when they know Mexico is going to pay for a wall that's going to go from Florida to California. Mexico, the country is going to pay $8 billion for a wall was never going to happen, but his voters are fucking stupid enough that they believe it. Things politicians say that you know can never happen in the real fucking world in reality. When politicians say those things, you know they're full of shit. They're just trying to get dumb people to vote for them. They're just trying to get gullible, ignorant morons to go and fill in their name. Okay. And that's all Ramaswamy is all about. Throw enough shit out there. Throw enough crap out there that you'll appeal to as many people as possible. And of course, saying things like this is appealing to the most cynical person that thinks all 18 to 25 year olds are fucking morons. Which is simply not true. Simply not true. But basically, his job, Ramaswamy's job, is to lick Trump's ass for as long as possible until he drops out and then get his endorsement and try to get most of his voting block to come to him. That's it, period. And Trump is actually too dumb to see that, and his voters are too dumb to see that. That's all he's about. Well, trying to end this on a light note before my film review wasn't easy. We had race, Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, boy, we should go back to talking about the, uh, the moon landing. That's fun. But uh, I do have a film review. 
you know, I was not going to review the film, right? But I decided I had to because I had reviewed Oppenheimer. I loved it. And I felt I had to see Barbie because everyone else was seeing it. And there was some, you know, you know, argument over if it was too woke or if it was anti-man or if it was feminizes men and blah, 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 blah. And so I'm in the cab on the way back from the movie, the Uber from the way back in the movie. And the Uber driver says, what did you see? And I said, oh, I saw Barbie. And he goes, oh, now remember, this is a San Francisco Uber driver. He says, oh, the, all the Republicans hate it. All those dumb Republicans are saying it's it's this, it's that, it's, uh, you know, it makes men seem gay and feminine and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you know, it's, you have to see the movie. You see the movie, you'll, and you can have an opinion of the movie after you see it. But a lot of people who have opinions over this haven't seen it, you know, so that's kind of ignorant. And, of course, since he's a San Francisco guy, he's probably getting all of his news from MSNBC, and so he, he, he mentioned the name Ron DeSantis. I've never heard Ron DeSantis say one thing about Barbie. Not one man. He, he didn't mention one thing. I, I know pretty much everything Ron DeSantis says, and I didn't hear him talking about Barbie at all. I have heard some talking heads on Fox News talking about Barbie, right, and saying some of these things about the film, even though they probably haven't seen it. That's true. But to say that, like, all Republicans are bad-mouthing Barbie and that Don DeSantis has been saying stuff about it. It's not true, but he listens to MSNBC and they probably lie about it. So he gets this idea that it's not just four or five talking heads on Fox News. It's all Republicans led by Ron DeSantis. So, you know, tried to make him understand that wasn't the case. But like with anything, whether it's a book or a novel or a TV show or a, a, an article or a column, unless you read it or see it, you should have no opinion about it and i wanted to have an opinion about barbie so i saw it john play me in please i'm sorry for making you sit here so long thanks Thank you, John. I appreciate you playing me in. Okay, so, <laughs> Barbie. Now, th there are certain things, certain films, which don't take themselves totally seriously, okay? And Barbie's one of them. So, there's been a lot of talk about the film possibly being anti-man or feminizing men or being too woke or trying to push a certain agenda. Now, when it comes to gender in the film Barbie, there are two genders in the film, male and female. And there's a lot of talk about the male and female gender, and it plays on the gender types and stereotypes and the way we perceive the genders and the power of the genders in society through the years and all of this stuff. And the original idea of the Barbie doll. Remember, the original idea of the Barbie doll is this is perfect girl that little girls can associate with. And then, of course, people started to not accept that simple idea anymore, that it made girls, but they had to look a certain way, right? It made, we know all this. It, it made, it, it, all of a sudden there was the Barbie backlash, right? Where girls were said, oh, they had to look this way. It was making girls be anorexic. Then they made different kinds of Barbies, you know, and some of them worked. Maybe pregnant Barbie didn't work, but then they had black Barbies and they had Indian Barbies and they had f full figured Barbies and, and the same thing with the Ken dolls, right? 
And so there was this basically, you know, the way Barbie has progressed through the years. And the film plays on all of this, right? So you know that beautiful Margot Robbie plays Barbie, uh, Barbie, but everyone is Barbie. The film begins in Barbie land, the fake Mattel Barbie land, not reality, Barbie land, where everything is perfect for Barbies. All the Barbies run Barbie land. And then there are Kens. Everyone is Ken. Ryan Gosling is the lead Ken, but everyone is named Ken. All the men are Ken, all the women are Barbie, and all their different incarnations, right? But the Barbies lead Barbie world. They are the president of Barbie land. They are the Supreme Court in Barbie land. And the Kens are kind of, yeah, kind of like second class citizens. The film plays with that. Something happens. I won't tell you how, but Barbie ends up, Barbie and Ken, the two leads, Margot Robbie and, and uh, Ryan Gosling, end up in the real world. And we know in the real world is kind of the opposite, right? Men have more of the power and the women are seen more as second class citizens. And that's, of course, changed and adjusted through time as well. The film has a lot of fun with all this. Yes, there are some, maybe there's some gender politics in there, but it's all kind of equalized or neutralized or, or balanced, which is a lot of funny stuff. All right. Just a lot of great humor. Uh, Will Ferrell's in it. He plays the head of Mattel, the corporation. And we know how great Will Ferrell is. The best thing Will Ferrell does is playing like a childlike adult. He's really good at that. Right. An adult, but just with childlike tendencies. And he does it again. Uh, probably one of his better performances. He's hilarious as the head of Mattel, who's trying to figure out why Barbie has come into the real world and how it's throwing all of Barbie land out of whack. And the film has a lot of fun with gender and the way we perceive gender and, and the way, you know, you know, women have been, have been treated as second class citizens at times in this country. And that's like reality, right? But there were two genders in Barbie, male and female. And even with Ken, when Ken comes into the real world, he realizes, my God, men run things in this real world. I want things to be like that in Barbie land. So Ken goes back to Barbie land and turns that upside down by making the men much more dominant in that society and taking over, of course, which throws everything out of whack. So there's a lot of fun with playing with gender, okay, and our perceptions of gender and the way society looks at the genders and, and also the way Barbie has, I guess, progressed, you know, through time. There's also some great musical numbers with Ryan Gosling. You, people wonder why an older Ryan Gosling was cast as Ken. Well, it's because he's a really good actor and he's fantastic as Ken and he can sing and he can dance. And there are some very inspired, funny, wacky musical numbers through it. Margot Robbie, of course, is the perfect Barbie. And the film even plays with that idea that she's almost too perfect to be an imperfect person, right? Um, but here's the thing. And this is the thing that people aren't getting who haven't seen it. The women in the film, the Barbie dolls, are as confused at times as the Ken dolls are. So the women are as confused as the men, as their place in society, at where they belong. And this is part of the, the, uh, the issues that Barbie and Ken go through this. What exactly are we? Are we just these, you know, these, these uh, stereotypical figures of men and women, are we more? Can we be more? How are we more? Where do we fit in? So there's a lot of that stuff. But it's also, like I said, counterbalanced by just some great humor. Um, 
uh, campy humor, uh, campy scenes. Uh, obviously, the film has something to say, but it says it in such a lighthearted, entertaining way that you basically have a smile on your face the whole time. It's never just like this polemic, off-putting, you know, message from Hollywood. And so you have to give credit to Ryan Gosling for being so good at Ken. They really get it. Margot Robbie, they really get it. They understand their performances. They understand what the director, Greta Gerwig, and the writers, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, are, uh, are trying to do. They get it. And when you have people, actors, in kind of a, kind of a campy comedy, and they really understand what they're supposed to do, that is a winner. And they're both really on in this film. They're great. And they're great together. They have great chemistry together. Um, and like I said, it's just a it's just a fun film. If you if you go into this taking it too seriously with a chip on your shoulder, you're not going to enjoy it. You're always gonna find you're gonna find reasons, you know, whatever it may be, politically or otherwise, not to like this. But I think if you go into it open minded, you'll enjoy it. You'll have a good time. Fantastic sets, great colors, fantastic costumes, cinematography. Everything is top-notch, very clever, very inspired, inspired comedy, good writing. And I have to, you know, say that for the most part, it sustains itself and it works. And I have to recommend you go see Barbie. Go do, go do the Barbenheimer thing because that, that's interesting where you, you see – you know, both of them back to back, if you have five hours to spare. Um, it's, it's interesting. I think that's an interesting concept. All right. So I'm going to recommend Barbie. Everyone see it. And then you can have an opinion after you see it. The, the thing that bothers me the most is when people have opinions of things they have not seen. It, it bugs the shit out of me, just based on rumor and innuendo. Go see it. Go see Barbie. Uh, John, do you mind? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John Williams and the Boston Pops. Hey, when you get back to L.A. tomorrow, tell them to get that writer's thing. Get 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 everything settled. Get that strike done with so we don't have a huge gap where there are no new films coming out. Cause not good, especially now that they're starting to get people back into the movie theaters. Tell them not to screw it up. All right. Okay. All right. I want to thank everyone. That was a good show. It's been a good week. I want to remind everyone the name of the show is And Let's Be Heard. And it airs weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern Time. Everyone have a great weekend. I'll see you on Monday night on the other side of it. But until then, this is Mike Cachopoli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.